are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Hey, it's good to worship with you this morning. I noticed we had a new drummer over there. What about Chad Duro on the drums today? Very good. My wife Annette and I, we spent uh, two days this past week at a marriage conference. And uh, it was really good for us. Where else do you ever find yourself like uh, just taking a couple of days to think and pray and talk with each other about your marriage? And so we were very blessed to be there. You might remember a few weeks ago I couldn't preach on a Sunday because I had a little something with my heart. My heart rate kept dropping and they didn't know why. And finally the doctor said, we don't really know what it is, but uh, you're okay. And uh, if it happens more, which it has not, then we'll take a look again. But I think this last week I figured out what that was. After 33 years of being married to Annette, once in a while when I look at her, my heart still flutters a little. Yeah. See? So going to the marriage conference and just saying that, I should be in good shape for a while, right? I'm, I'm, I'm set. We got there and we ran into a bunch of people from our church and I couldn't believe how many. And so we, we all got together yesterday before we left and we took a picture and I thought I would show it to you. And there we are, about 40 some of us. And uh, I'm in the back and my mouth is just wide open. I don't know why. Uh, some of you are saying, I've never been around you when your mouth was shut. And so... Uh, no amens here needed right now. We'll just move on. But uh, it was fun. And so Annette, on the way home yesterday, registered us for next year. And so you might want to consider that. It's down in Dallas at Gateway Church. And it was two days of awesome marriage stuff. So if you want to work on your marriage, you might go online and sign up. But if you do, do it quick. It sells out really fast. And maybe you could go down with us next year. Talking about love. Last week was Valentine's Day marriage conference. We talked a lot about love. So in this conversation of love, let me ask you a question, okay? Do you love Jesus? You almost knocked me down with that response. I'm barely on my feet. You guys are really fired up today. Now seriously, do you love Jesus? Do you really, really, really love Jesus? You're not gaining a lot of steam, I'll be honest with you. I'm not wanting you to answer me because you think you should say you love Jesus. I'm really asking you, do you love Jesus? Then who are they? And you're saying, what? what? You asked me if I love Jesus. Who, who is who? You know, the people that you're like, nurturing along in their faith journey and the people that you're kind of helping out as they move in their relationship with Jesus, the people that you're caring for, the people that you're kind of bringing along and helping them to grow in their faith. You say, are those two questions actually connected? Do I love Jesus and who are they? They actually are. Don't you remember? One day Jesus is with Simon Peter in John 15 and Jesus says, hey, Simon Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. Do you remember what Jesus says next? Feed my lambs. Simon Peter, I'm the good shepherd. I've got sheep everywhere. It's my flock. I want you to take care of them. Feed them so they'll grow. Nurture them. Walk with them. Journey with them. And then the second time Jesus says, hey, Simon Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know. You know I love you, right? And he goes, then take care of my sheep. 
I'm the good shepherd. I've got a lot of people following me. It's my flock. They're all my sheep. I want you to take good care of them. The third time he says, Peter, do you love me? And Jesus, Peter says, Jesus, you're starting to hurt me now. You know I love you. And he says, then feed my sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I got all of these people following me. It's my flock. I want you to nurture them along. Love on them. Care for them. Help them to grow. Guide them. Bless them. Pray for them. Walk with them. These are my sheep. So I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think you might say, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I hear, I hear you. I mean, was that just for Peter? Or is that like for us too? Is that like some kind of a test, like whether or not we love Jesus? Like he says this one time, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Here is he saying, if you love me, you'll take care of my sheep. Is he saying that, that if we love Jesus, that we should, we should lead others in their journey with Jesus? I'm, I'm just here to testify today, okay, that the Bible is filled, streams with all of these verses about how you and I should be leading others in their Christian faith. So let me take you, let me take you there, okay? John chapter 21, verse 15. And uh, we'll tell you where we are in the story. Last week, Jesus said, Peter, you will deny me how many times? Before morning, before the rooster crows. And that's what happened. And so Jesus is then on the cross. He's crucified. Three days later, after being in the tomb, God raises him from the dead. And he appears to to the disciples, but they are like sheep without a shepherd. So Peter said, I used to fish before I knew Jesus. I don't know what's up, so I'm going fishing. They go out and they fish all night. They don't catch anything. There's a guy standing on the shore and he goes, have you caught any fish? And they yell back to this guy on the the shore, no, fished all night, nothing. He says, "Uh, hey, cast your net on the other side of the boat. Okay. So they cast their net on the other side of the boat. They bring in more fish than they can hardly drag to shore. And John, John says, Peter, and Peter says, what? And he says, it's the Lord. And Peter says, what? And he goes, look, it's got to be him. It's Jesus. Peter jumps in the water, swims to shore because he had to get there first. That's his personality. Jesus says, come on and eat. I'm cooking breakfast. And when Peter is swallowing his last bite of breakfast and the water laps up against the shore, standing behind Peter, Jesus says, Hey, buddy, let's go for a walk. They hadn't talked about it. The fact that Peter had denied him three times. You don't want to carry this, man. It's too heavy. Let's talk it out. And they go for a walk. And we know they went for a walk because later it says John was following them. So here's where we are. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. So Peter is John's son, okay? 
And it's like he's calling him by his first and last name, like your mama did you when you were in trouble. Hey, Simon Johnson. Okay, I'm trying. I'm doing my best up here, okay? (laughs) Do you love me more than these? Now, it's kind of hard to understand what these means, okay? Do you love me more than you love these boats and these nets and fishing? Or do you love me more than you love these disciples? Or do you love me more than these disciples love me? We really don't know what the object is, but we know that this is important. Do you love me more? Do you love me more than anything else in the world? Am I still number one with you, Peter? Where do we stand? And here's what he says. Yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. It's like he's saying, I know what I did the other night. I know I denied you. I know I cussed and denied you. But I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. I'm the good shepherd. I got all of these people following me. They're my sheep, my flock. So I want you to help take care of them, okay? And again, Jesus said, Simon, Simon Johnson, do you love me? And here's what Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I've got all of these people following me. They're my sheep. It's my flock. Take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Come on, Lord, you're starting to hurt me now. This is the third time you've asked me. You're starting to hurt me. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And here's what he said. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, I'm the good shepherd. I got all of these people following me. It's my flock. They're my sheep. I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to nurture them. I want you to love them. I want you to lead them. I want you to guide them. I want you to take care of them because they're all my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were young, Peter, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. And someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. He's talking about the cross, Peter. This is how you're going to die. And that's what he says. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. What he's really saying is follow me to the cross, Peter. What he's really saying is, I know you're going to give me your life. But would you give me your life now? Could, could I have you now? Could you help me now? Would you be willing to give your life right now to help and take care of all these people who are following me? That's what I need you to do. So let me, let me think with you for a minute, okay? I think, I think you'll connect with this. When, when I was growing up, my mom and my dad um, just spent so much of their energy and time investing in me and my brother and my two sisters. I mean, they, they spent money on us. They were teaching us. They taught us how to be respectful. They taught us how to be careful. They taught us how to be kind. They taught us how to be courteous. They taught us about Jesus. They taught us about prayer and how to pray. They taught us to read our Bibles. They taught us to follow Jesus. They taught us about spending money. My parents just invested in us like crazy. And then I get older and I meet Annette. We get married and we have a little girl named Brittany. And five years later, we had a little girl named Morgan. And so we just started investing our lives in those girls. And and we were just 
spending money on them and we were teaching them how to be kind and how to be courteous and how to be loving and we were teaching them, um, you know, about being a Christian and how to read the Bible and how to pray and how to follow Jesus. I mean, we just invested so much of our time just in our girls teaching them so much we wanted them to know. Listen to this. You ready for this? The whole time that we are teaching our girls and investing in them, our parents were still investing in us. We were calling them saying things like, uh, how do you cook a turkey? You know? Or, uh, Brit's got a fever, it's really high, should we take her to the emergency room? Our parents were still teaching us. Britt grows up, she marries Tim, they have her only granddaughter, Sadie. And for these last six years, Tim and Brittany are always investing in Sadie. They're spending money on her. They're saying, no, Sadie, don't do that. You don't want to be that way. You want to be this way, Sadie. They're teaching her about Jesus. They're teaching her how to pray, and it's awesome. When Sadie folds her little hands at night before she goes to sleep, and she's in her bed and she prays, they're teaching her how to love Jesus. They're teaching her all about the Bible. They're teaching her to be kind. They're teaching her to be loving. They're teaching her to be respectful. And all the time that they are teaching her, guess what? Annette and I are still investing in Brittany and Tim. We love to spend money on them. We love to invest in their lives. We love to still instruct them because sometimes they'll call and say, can you think with us about something? We're trying to make a decision. Can you give us some guiding principles? And the whole time that they're investing in Sadie, we're investing in them. Guess what I still do? I call my mama and I say, Mom, can you help me with something? I got to ask you some questions. Will you walk with me through this? Do you think that's what Jesus has in mind here? Peter, I've been teaching you, and I've been investing in you, and now I want you to begin teaching others and investing in them. And then when they grow in their faith, they're going to invest in others and teach them. And then when they grow in their faith, they will invest in others and teach them. Do you think that's what Jesus had in mind? So I'm going to say something that I I told you I would try to quit saying it, but it's hard to quit saying it. So I'm going to say it one more time. But chances are I'll probably say it again, okay? But when I was in Israel this past summer, I I cannot help it. When I study the Bible, Israel is everywhere in the Bible, you know? And so, and so when I was in Israel this past summer, there were things that you would see that looked very modern. You didn't feel at all connected to 2,000 years ago when Jesus was walking the earth, okay? However... There were some sites that you thought, this is how I would have imagined it would look when Jesus was here. Like when you're on the Sea of Galilee and you look up at the Mount Hermon and you go, wow, I think Jesus saw the same sight. So here's another thing that I saw that made me think, this is what it would have looked like when Jesus was here. And so one day we were standing outside of our little bus that we're touring in and the teacher is teaching all of us and somebody says, oh my goodness, look. And we all look and sure enough, it, now this didn't make my heart stop, okay? Because when I looked over, I saw a shepherd with sheep. And it looked just exactly like I thought it would have looked in Jesus' day. I brought a picture so you would have an idea, okay? I mean, this is just like, are you kidding me? 
So these were the kind of sights that we would see over and over again when we were traveling. Now, now shepherds are actually in Israel, modern-day Israel today, just like they were then, and, and they are called um, Bedouins. So B-E-D-O-U-I-N-S, Bedouins. So the word Bedouin means nomadic people living in the deserts, okay? And when I say nomadic people, I mean that they, they don't have permanent houses. They live in tents and lean-tos and makeshift and temporary housing. So here's a picture that would help you to see. This is so common when you're driving out of the Judean desert that you would see images like this all along the way. You say they live out here 365 days a year. I said to our God, Cereal, do they want a permanent home? And he says, no. They believe that the land is their home. And their life is their flock. And so they just move from place to place as the flock needs to move. Bedouins, modern-day shepherds. We struggle to get this whole sheep image in our heads because we don't really understand sheep. In Oklahoma, we understand cowboys, right? We don't understand shepherds. But you understand in the Old Testament, they understood sheep. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they all tended sheep. David, the king of Israel, do you remember what he did when he was a young boy? He was a shepherd. He understood sheep. And so you find these images throughout the Scripture because that was their life. Like in Psalm 100 where the psalmist says, We are his sheep, the people of his pasture. And in the New Testament, that same imagery comes across. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. All of these people are my flock. They're my sheep. I lead them and they follow me and they hear my voice. And so one day, Jesus walks along the Sea of Galilee. And he sees this guy named Peter and his brother Andrew. And they're fishing because that's what they did. They were fishermen. They weren't shepherds. But he starts using this sheep language. He says, follow me. Because that's what sheep do. They follow. You don't drive sheep like you drive cattle. You lead them. They follow. You walk along and the sheep just come along behind. And so he says, follow me. I'm going to walk and I want you guys to come along behind. And, and here's what the Bible says. So they left their nets and their boats and they immediately followed Jesus. So here goes Jesus and guess who's behind him? It's Simon, Peter, and Andrew. The people in the passage we've been talking about. See... When you follow, I mean, you're doing what Christians are supposed to do, right? I mean, aren't we supposed to follow Jesus? I mean, when you think about it, what's a Christian? Give me a definition. It's a person who follows the life and the teaching of Jesus. So, when I follow Jesus, am I not doing what I'm supposed to do? Isn't that what Christians are supposed to do. Christians are supposed to be followers, right? I'm a follower. What do you do with your life? I follow Jesus with my life. I follow his life. I try to live as he lived. I follow his teachings. I try to do what he says. I'm a follower of Jesus. Christians follow. 
So when I follow, am I not doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Isn't that right? All my life I've heard you're supposed to follow Jesus. So follow. So why this morning is there this mixed message? Why is this other message that I'm supposed to lead? I thought it was a sheep. So, when I was a kid growing up, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. Yeah, I think I have. But I was raised in a small Kentucky town. And, and growing up in that little town, we went to this Nazarene church. And, and so for years, for years, I remember laying on our coffee table a magazine. And we got it from the Church of the Nazarene. It was a, it was a magazine about missions. And so in the first service, while I'm saying this, you know, there's a thousand people in the room and every one of them are shaking their heads and smiling at me. And in this service, none of you have any idea what I'm talking about, do you? You know what the magazine was called? I got, Herald of Holiness is a Christian magazine by the Nazarene Church, so I'm going to give you, you know, props for that. But this one is about missions, and are you the oldest person in the room so you know the answer? Shout it out. The Other Sheep. sheep. Yeah. Do you know why they called the magazine The Other Sheep? And it was for years, like 50 years, they had this magazine. Because in John chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not in this pen. What Jesus was saying was, I've got people following me all over the world. And so the idea was that there are sheep in Africa and there are sheep in Asia that are following Jesus and there are sheep in South America. And so when the Nazarene said, we want to talk about all these other people who are following Jesus, we said, we'll just call them the other sheep because they're sheep like us. See, I I I think what this is all about is the other sheep. So I'm a sheep. I follow Jesus, but what about all the other sheep? Who's taking care of them? And so this is where Jesus leads us in these words. So we've been reading a book together called Soul Shift by David Drury and Steve Deneff. And and they say, let us suggest maybe another shift in your mind, okay? Okay. So I don't know how long you've been walking with the Lord. we got every kind of story in the room you can imagine, but you've got your story. And they said, so wherever you are in your journey, what if you begin to think this way? What if you made this shift? What if you saw yourself not only as a follower, but you saw yourself also as a leader? So you said, yep, I follow Jesus. I'm a sheep. He's the good shepherd. I'm the sheep. I follow him. But what if you saw yourself at the same time as also a leader? You understand, all the time that that I was trying to lead my kids, my parents were still kind of leading me. And I was following them. And so so the idea is, the Neff and Jury says, what if you saw yourself and what if God is calling you to be a, a leader while you're still following And so I found this awesome verse. I want to share it with you. 2 Corinthians. Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So Paul says, I'm a follower. 
All right? I'm a sheep. But I want you to follow me as I'm following him. Because I see myself as not only a follower, but I also see myself as a leader. So I want to talk practically with you about it. What time we have left. And we got a couple of minutes here, okay? So here we go. Annette and I were having dinner recently with some other people. There were six of us sitting at a table. And this one person says, oh, I got to tell you this awesome story. Okay, tell us a story. And here's what she says. She says, uh, there's this lady who is a little older in her life, up in a few years, and uh, she has never known what it is to know Jesus or has never considered herself a Christian. But just lately, these other Christian ladies came to know her. They met her. They began hanging out with her, spending time with her. And then after they began hanging out with her and spending time with her, here's what they did. They began to just kind of share their Jesus with her. Now, this lady is not young. She's old. They ended up helping her come to this place in her life to where she said, I want to know Jesus. And here this senior adult lady, she becomes a Christian. Awesome. I listened to the story and I just loved it. I said to them, I said, this is the best news I've heard today. I love this story. I want to hear more stories like this. And so while we're talking, another person began to share about an individual that God has brought into their life saying that, you know, I think maybe the Lord has me here to share Jesus with them. So I said, I'm going to pray with you. And I've been praying that God would help them lead that person to Jesus. And then I said, let me tell you a story. And I told him that Annette and I had gotten to spend some time with a young couple. Mom and dad, a couple of kids. They've been attending the church now for a few months. And in that dinner with them, they shared with Annette and I how they have come to know Jesus. I'm telling you, as I'm telling the story, I'm crying like a baby. You know, I'm just wiping tears. Because that couple said to me, you have no idea how much our lives have changed in these last few months. So I've been talking about this for a while. And I I would give anything. And I pray for this. God, could you let that just be the culture of Bethany First Church? Can we just be a church where the conversation is just constantly about people whose lives have been transformed by the power of Jesus? Just people all around us saying, oh, my life has changed so dramatically since I've come to know Jesus. I mean, could it be so prevalent among us and in our community that, that, that we just talk about it all the time because it's happening over here and over there and over there and over there. It just continues to happen everywhere we turn. That's the story. I just wish we would get to a point on Sunday morning that every time we come together, you just come in and hear a new story about somebody whose life has been dramatically changed because they have come to know Jesus. And so I'm thinking about my dinner with these people. And these awesome stories of people whose lives have been changed. So here's the question. Who is going to nurture them? 
Like, you know what I'm saying? Who's going to help them grow in their faith? Who's going to invest in them and teach them and pray with them and pray over them and pray for them? Walk with them and carry their burdens with them and answer questions they have. Who's going to do that for them? I, I, I think the more pointed question is more like this. So if I ask you this morning for a list of sheep that you have, would you give me a list? Would you say, Rick, these are my sheep. These are the people that I'm nurturing in their faith. These are the people that I'm trying to help grow in their... These are the people that I'm investing in, that I'm teaching, that I'm praying for, that I'm walking along beside. Do you know who your sheep are? So before you just start feeling all guilty on me, you might be better at this than you think. You might be doing this more than you realize. You might actually be having more success at this than you even know right now. So I think there's lots of ways we do it. I would say to those of you who have children this morning or who have had children in the past, did you not invest in your kids? Of course you did. Were you not teaching them and loving them and nurturing them? Of course you were. Were you not praying with them and teaching them the stories of the Bible? Of course you were. Were you not taking them to church with you? Of course you were. So just Ease up on yourself for a minute. There's some people that you've been nurturing in their faith, okay? I think many of you would say, and I've done it for other kids and grandkids and nephews and nieces and neighbors or whatever. But let me keep going. What about your spouse? Are you guys on this journey together? Don't don't you have faith conversations with each other? Aren't you kind of helping each other along in your journey with Jesus? A boyfriend, a girlfriend, friends that you know well at school. Aren't you kind of doing this thing in tandem? But let me just take it one step further. Are you in a group? So just before I came in to preach in second service, I went to what we call discipleship groups or Sunday school. Because in discipleship groups, that's exactly what it is. It's where we want to disciple one another. So in discipleship groups, community is really, really important. That's why we hang around and eat donuts and talk a little while before we start doing other things. That's why we have parties together. And that's why we get together and do other kind of things. Because it's about knowing each other and loving each other and caring for each other and walking beside each other. It's also about teaching. That's why we have a time where we open the Bible together and we kind of discuss the Scriptures together because we want to help each other understand what the Word is saying to us. And that's why we serve together in those groups. Because we believe that's important in becoming a disciple of Jesus. And so we start it very young. For little kids, when they come to church together, we have groups classes meeting together we do it with teenagers and some of you guys will get together with your small group tonight don't ever stop doing that that practice that you're doing right now do that the rest of your lives i know that timmy is offering that with college students and i know that many of you young married it's so important to you the group that you're in we have like 25 adult groups here some of them break up into smaller groups to get to know each other better I'm just going to tell you for a minute, if you'll just lean in before I stop, and let me just say to you, all of my life, people have been investing in me and my walk with God. 
And sometimes it was an individual, but most always that has happened for me in the context of community. All of my life, people have been investing in me, but for the most part, it has happened in the context of a group. You say, Rick, really? You go to a group every Sunday? You better believe I go to a group every Sunday because I believe in it so strongly. I'm going to shock you. But I'm not the spiritual giant you might think I am because I pastor a church. God's not finished working in my life. And I need people investing in me today. And so you may have this attitude, I, I don't know, Rick. I, no, let me tell you something. You're like me. You need people to invest in your life. You've got weaknesses. You've got flaws. There's places for you to grow. And God wants to grow you. And here's the other side of the story. There are people who desperately need you to be investing in their lives. They need you to pray for them. They need you to walk with them. They need you to encourage them. They need you to teach them. They need you to guide them. They need you to come along beside them. And in the church of Jesus Christ, this has been the story from the inception. Most often that happens in the context of a group or community. And so here's the, here's the response this morning. You were given a connect card when you walked in the door. I wish, I wish if you're not in a group, you would take that card in your hand today and you would tear off the bottom portion and you would write your name on one side and on the other side you would say, help me get in a group. And if you write that note, there are going to be pastors calling you this week saying, hey, we're here to help. You may say, I don't want to be in a weird group. Then we will help you to not get in a weird group because Believe me, there's some weird groups in this church, okay? You can say, these are my preferences, these are my issues, these are my past experiences, both positive and negative. We're going to help you get in a group that will fit you, but we will walk with you. And it may take a few weeks and a few tries to help you find the right group, but we're going to help you get in a group where that you can invest in others and others can invest in you. Okay? So, Lord, I pray today that you'll help us to see that you call us to help take care of sheep to feed them and nurture them this is your will for all of us in Christ Jesus so give us the grace to be faithful let's stand and worship the Lord together okay you have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene visit us online at bethanynaz.org